This is the Jesus Freedom Podcast, and I am your host, Jamie Roundtree. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jesus Freedom Podcast. Hope you're having a great day. This is part two of a series that I am doing on the suffering love of Jesus. Listen and enjoy. In Ephesians, Paul prayed that for the believers there, that they would know the love of Christ that surpassed knowledge. The purpose of this series is to reflect on the suffering of Jesus so that we can better understand and have a greater gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. We all have bad roots or have things we struggle with, but we're to be built up and rooted in His love. The more our bad roots are soaked in His love, our bad roots heal up. The more we see the beauty of His love, the more we can make sense of life and love Him and love others. The fall of mankind took place in the Garden of Eden, but the redemption of mankind started in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve saw the fruit, and it looked pleasing and desirable. They took it and ate it thinking they would become wise. But they chose to define good and evil on their own terms instead of listening to their loving Father. Their choice to obey did not come with a cross, but their disobedience resulted in suffering and death. Jesus wrestled in the garden, and the weight of our freedom and our eternal destiny was in the balance and depended completely on Him successfully completing the work the Father sent Him to do. After the Last Supper with His disciples, Jesus heads over to the garden. It was a familiar place that they had hung out before. He enters and asks His disciples to watch and pray so that they will not fail this season of testing. Jesus goes a little distance away from them and prays also. Jesus tells them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Jesus begins to suffer unimaginable anguish to the point of sweating great drops of blood. He prays, Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering pass away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And Isaiah 53 in the New Living Translation, it says that he carried our weaknesses and our sorrows weighed him down. In the Garden of Eden, they were weak and they did not obey. But Jesus did what we could not do. He obeyed the Father. This means we can only come to the Father in our weakness and poverty of spirit. He's not impressed with our strength or our performance. We come to the throne of grace with boldness to receive mercy in our time of need. What is the meaning of the sweating of blood? After the fall, the Father tells Adam, You will eat your food and work the ground by the sweat of your brow. In John 6, after Jesus feeds the 5,000, and tells them he's the bread of life, he says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. They responded by asking, 
What must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to actively trust in the one the Father sent, which is Jesus. We do not relate to the Father based on our works or performance anymore, but on Jesus' work and victory. Because of Adam, we are all under sin and death, but because of Jesus Christ and the work He completed, we have received the free gift of righteousness. Also in John 6, Jesus says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life and will remain in me and I in them. Many were offended and left because of this saying, but Jesus was speaking prophetically and in a metaphor about the suffering he would endure on the cross. Jesus is saying that we should feast on his suffering. Now, what does this mean? It means that we take the time to meditate and to ponder in our heart the work he has done through the cross, and we practice thanksgiving because of what he did for us. It is through this practice that our hearts are drawn near to him and we're built up and rooted in his love. Jesus told his disciples at the Last Supper to take the cup and the bread in remembrance of him, and they can do this as much as they want. He was referring to us intentionally focusing on his suffering love and being thankful for the work he has done for us. The more we understand the meaning of the cross, the more we will be thankful, and the more our hearts will understand the depths of his love. Jesus drank the cup of suffering. In the Old Testament, the Lord spoke to the prophet Jeremiah about this cup of suffering and wrath. The kingdom of Judah, like Israel, their family members, were completely unfaithful to the Mosaic Covenant started on Mount Sinai after the Exodus. They worshipped other gods and committed evil. The meaning of this is that they committed evil practices towards people because the worship of other gods was directly connected to evil practices towards other people. The greatest and most horrible of all the practices was related to the god of Molech, when the children of Jacob sacrificed their own children in the fire to this god. The Lord detested this practice and punished many nations for this great evil. The cup of wine of God's wrath was poured out on Israel because of this great sin, and they were punished and exiled from the land of promise. This cup of wrath, 70 years later, was poured out on Babylon and has been poured out on many countries throughout history who have rebelled against their Creator and have committed great acts of evil. However, Israel is the only nation on earth that God made an eternal covenant with. So after he punished them through King Cyrus, he set them free. And it's kind of like the Lord was saying, okay, you really screwed up big time, but let's try this again. The Lord delights in mercy, not in sacrifice. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath and became an object of scorn, a curse. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that the Father made Jesus, who did not know sin, to become sin so that we could receive freely by His grace the free gift of righteousness. Jesus drank the cup of wrath so that we could drink the cup of blessing. As David said, He fills my cup. And as Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water welling up into eternal life. And as it says elsewhere in the scriptures, cursed is the one who dies on a tree. Jesus drank the curse to set us free from it. 
why did he do this? It says that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. The Father and the Son delights in our reconciliation. Heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents over a hundred that do not need to. As Jesus prayed, his disciples slept. This may not seem that important, but it was the Passover, and it was normal for them to stay up late on the Passover. Jesus told them to watch and pray so that they won't fail this time of testing. Jesus' hour had come, the time he needed his disciples most, and they were not there. They were sleeping. Once again, it was normal for them to stay up on the Passover, but they failed the test. Jesus had told them earlier that they would strike the shepherd and the sheep would scatter, meaning once they arrested him, his disciples would be scattered. They were afraid, and it's understandable. What they were doing to Jesus, they could do to them. What is amazing is that Jesus told them they would fail. He told Peter, for an example, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but I am praying for you, Peter. Even though his disciples failed, Jesus didn't give up on them. And on top of that, he prepared them for the failure and later reveals himself to them after the resurrection and reinstates and restores Peter. Jesus sees our failures and mistakes. And how many times do we want to give up, but he doesn't give up on us? It says in Isaiah 53 that he intercedes for rebels. And Paul says that Jesus stands at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. The word intercede or intercession means to fight on one's behalf. In our weakness and our greatest failure, we want to throw in the towel and just walk away. But Jesus fights for us. And if he is fighting for us, who can stand against us? The only thing that separates us from the love of God is us. It's our failures and weaknesses. But even our failures and our weaknesses, trials and persecutions can't separate us from the love of God. Jesus was a man just like us. And he stands in the presence of the Father in the most powerful position in all of the universe. And because he was and is a man, he can have compassion on us and our weakness and strengthen us. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Because of the suffering of Jesus, he is a faithful and merciful high priest, and we can come to him with boldness and receive mercy in our time of need. His disciples were sleeping has another meaning as well. Earlier, Jesus had a friend named Lazarus who was sick and he died. Jesus tells his disciples after Lazarus had died that Lazarus was sleeping. But I'm going to wake him up. Jesus was speaking in a metaphor. The disciples thought he meant he was literally sleeping, but Jesus clarified what he meant. We, like Lazarus and his disciples, are sleeping until Jesus comes and he wakes us up. As Paul said in Romans, we are dead in our sins, but through Christ we are now alive unto God. Paul is explaining what happens to us when we are born again. We are dead in our spirit and separated from the Father, but now we have the Holy Spirit and He lives us and He gives life to our mortal bodies, just like Jesus spoke to Lazarus 
and gave life to his mortal body, and he rose from the dead. But there is also a warning to believers who sleep. Jesus warns the church in Sardius in Revelation. He says, You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what you have. He says to remember what you have received and to hold fast and repent. And as it says in Hebrews, with another warning, let us not neglect or drift away from this great salvation that the Father has given us. While it is called today, let us encourage each other daily. And if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In closing, let us heed this warning not to sleep, but be thankful and remember what Christ has done for us. Let us take some time to ponder these things, drink the cup of love he has for us each day. Do not let your weaknesses and your failures keep you from the love of Christ. Do not run from him. Instead, run to him with boldness to receive mercy in your time of need. He suffered for you because he delights in being reconciled with you and he delights in the friendship. He has done the work and given you the free gift of righteousness. And he gave you and me the Holy Spirit, the advocate who helps us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray. The Spirit fights for us on our behalf. Jesus is the new Garden of Eden. The exile is over. So let us get up and walk towards him. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jesus Freedom Podcast. This was part two in a series, The Suffering Love of Jesus. There will be a part three and a part four and so on. If you would like to contact me, you can reach me at the Jesus Freedom Podcast at gmail.com or on Facebook, the Jesus Freedom Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening and I hope you have a great day.